सार्वजनिशुखोंठया मूर्तया संभवंतिजा ठासम ब्रह्मज महाजोनियर अहम भीजता पिता it should be understood that all species of life, O son of Kunti, are made possible by birth in this material nature, and that I am the seed-giving father. Purport by his divine grace, Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Sāna Prabhupāda. In this verse, it is clearly explained that the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna, is the original father of all living entities. The living entities are combinations of the material nature and the spiritual nature. Such living entities are seen not only on this planet, but in every planet, even in the highest where Brahma is situated. Everywhere there are living entities. Within the earth there are living entities, even within water and within fire. All these appearances are due to the mother, material nature, and Krishna's seed-giving process. The purport is that the living entities being impregnated in the material world come out and form at the time of creation according to their past deeds. <coughs> it should be understood that all species of life, O son of Kunti, are made possible by birth in this material nature and that I am the seed-giving father. In this world, people are very much proud of those persons who in the past have relationships with them as forefathers, ancestors. In countries like China and Japan, the basis of most of the religion of the people is worshiping the spirits uh, of their departed grandfathers, grandmothers, great-grandfathers, great-grandmothers, back, back, back like that. And here in India we see that in many, many households there is the picture of the departed father, mother, grandfather, grandmother usually in a more prominent place than a picture of Radha and Krishna. So this natural tendency to adore, to love, and to worship father, mother, and so forth is within human society. Why is that there? Because the ultimate father for every living being 
is Krishna. We are all his children, his sons and daughters. He is the seed-giving father of all living beings. And our natural tendency is to be proud of him as our father and to worship him and love him as our father. But because we have forgotten our real, true, eternal father, or because we only have a very superficial understanding of who he is and what our relationship with him is, we place that same tendency in worshiping those persons who have temporary relationships as such in this world. In the Vedic culture, there is a ceremony that is called Shraddha, which the eldest son, when the father dies, it is his responsibility <coughs> to go to a holy place such as Gaya, to worship the Brahmins, to worship the Vaishnavas, and then to offer food, bhoga, to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who goes by the name of Gadadhar, or Krishna. And then to take that prasadam and offer it to one's departed ancestors. And it is explained that if this ceremony is performed correctly, then that prasadam purifies the hearts, the souls of those persons and brings them closer to God. They are liberated from um, massive amounts of sins. And if they are in a hellish existence, they are liberated from those sinful reactions. So this is a natural tendency of love. But how to truly show this love? Uh, this is proper. We should know that the greatest expression of love is to bring another living being closer and closer to Krishna. Yasyasti bhaktira bhagavati akinjana. The Bhagavatam explains <coughs> that the conditioned soul is very much proud and attached to the place of his birth and to the people in whose family he has been born. They are very much attached to this physical body and they go to a place of pilgrimage simply to take a bath without associating with the holy persons there. Such people, it is explained, their mentality is no better than an ass or a cow, Saeva Gokura. Because all attachments, all illusions that are based on the bodily conception of life, Bhagavatam explains, it is the mentality of an ass or a cow. 
But then we find in Mahabharat, when Abhimanu was killed, because he was the son of Arjuna, how much Arjuna was weeping and crying. And Subhadra, who was none other than Yogamaya herself, even she was crying, weeping, that she had lost her son. And we find Vasudeva and Devaki, when their baby children were being killed by Kamsa, how much unbearable pain they were feeling in their hearts. And of course, when Ramchandra was banished to the forest, how Dasarat Maharaj, he was in such an exalted position that he had the Supreme Lord of his son. He felt such attachment for his son that he could not live <clears throat> within days due to the pain of separation. He left this material world. He died in agony. And when <clears throat> Bharat, the brother of Sri Ram, came to Chitrakut Dham and narrated the story of how Dasarat Maharaj had left the world, Lord Sri Ramchandra, the personality of Godhead, was beside himself. He began to weep and cry. for many, many moments. And with great difficulty, he finally collected his emotions to perform uh, the last rites in the name of his father, being eldest son. <coughs> so what does this mean? Does this mean that Lord Ram, that King Dasarat, Vasudev, Devaki, uh, Arjuna, that they had the minds of asses and cows. The Bhagavatam says like this, Yasyasti Bhaktira Bhagavatiya Kinchana Saravaya that anyone who thinks the body made of the three elements to be the self, to consider the relations to this body to be mine, to consider the place of birth to be worshipable, or one who goes to a holy place to bathe in rivers, m such a person's mind is an ass or a cow. Does this seem like a contradiction? Is Ramchandra's mind like an ass or a cow? He cried, he weeped. Some people feel that to become detached means to become hard-hearted, to simply not care. My father died, huh, it's all an illusion, it's all Maya, who cares? Huh? Is this what self Krishna says? Those who are wise lament for the living nor the dead. Asochan and Vasochas Tvam. Huh? I remember Srila <clears throat> Prabhupada 
When one of his dear most disciples left him for some time, he explained in a letter that he was crying every day, praying to Krishna, please bring him back. Like a father to a son. But some people think that to become advanced in spiritual life means to become hard-hearted. Detachment means it's all an illusion. So why should I be interested? So on one hand, it explains you should not be attached. And on another hand, we see the greatest souls showing such signs of attachment. So I would like to ask you in the audience here to help me figure out this apparent dilemma. Why, if you're not supposed to lament for the living or the dead, and why is all, of, uh, all feelings <laughs> of relations to be illusion, which make you an ass or a cow if you think that way, why the greatest personalities are crying when they lose such relations? Please help me answer this question. Anyone? This is a basic principle of our philosophy, one of the most obvious principles. Love. What is the nature of that love? Krishna says not to lament for living or dead. When an ordinary man cries, is that love? You see these great personalities, they are crying for a different reason. Someone who is on the bodily concept of life, it is true it is love. <coughs> Your answer is correct. But we must understand the nature of that love. An ordinary person is thinking in terms of I and mine. I am this body and all things in connection to this body are mine. And therefore, to lose something or someone that is giving pleasure, security or gratification to your body is so painful that it causes great, great distress and lamentation. But one who is detached from the bodily concept of life is no longer concerned with the sense gratification that anyone provides. Therefore, he does not lament for the living nor the dead. But, amongst great souls, we find even Narottamdas Thakur, one of the greatest Paramahamsas in the Gaudiya Vaishnava Sampradaya. He's singing. Jaya Nilo Premadana He's beating his head in the stone in anguish, feeling the pain of separation from those great Vaishnavas who have left this world. You see, 
the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the greatest expression of love for Him is by longing for Him in separation. And those devotees who we see in relationship to Krishna, in any way, that weeping, that crying, is actually a feeling of separation from Krishna. Because the great Vaishnav devotees of the Lord, they are revealing Krishna to our lives. They are helping us to understand, to know and to love Krishna. Therefore, if we do not weep when they leave us, that means that we have not learned how to love in the mood of separation. When the spiritual master leaves, the disciple cries incessantly. In fact, Srila Prabhupada explains in the Srimad Bhagavatam in one purport, he said, it's the duty of the disciple to weep incessantly when his spiritual master leaves the planet. Because he is in crying in separation from God himself and that person who has revealed God. And what about someone like a mother or father who is not so much revealing God? Even the great souls have a tendency to cry in this situation. Why is that? Because A person seeing that devote that spirit soul in relationship to God, he should not be weeping in separation from the person's body. But we can dovetail that propensity in truth by weeping to Krishna to lift up the soul of his beloved child. It is a fact that those who are near and dear to us, we should especially be sensitive to be begging and praying to Krishna to help them to come closer to his lotus feet. In fact, Vasudev Dat and other great Vaishnavas, they were crying out of pity for even people they never even saw or heard of before, hoping that they would come closer to Krishna, lamenting over their unfortunate condition and forgetfulness of Krishna. So Krishna Consciousness means to become the most soft-hearted person in the entire universe. But not for our own sense gratification. Not due to physical bodily attachments. 
but our soft-heartedness is out of love for the Vaishnavas, love for the Guru, which is love for Krishna, and love for every living being out of compassion. Until one's heart melts into liquid, Krishna is not accessible to that heart. Prabhupada said, too much gyan makes the heart grow hard. But bhakti melts the heart completely. A heart of compassion. But never on the basis of illusion, but on the basis of seeing Krishna, longing for Krishna, and showing the compassion of Krishna, feeling the compassion of Krishna for all living beings. This is the natural consequence of understanding this verse. Krishna is the seed-giving father of all living beings. On the spiritual platform, all living beings are our brothers and sisters. Brahman Chachra Vaishya Sudra, Brahmachari Grihastavana Prasanyas, they are all external. Black, white, Indian, American, they are all external. Recently someone was telling me a story of one sadhu who was saying that people not born in India cannot be real Vaishnavas. They cannot be real devotees of the Lord. How can they be with the birth and the conditioning that they are in? How can you initiate such persons? How can you give them a status in Vedic society? This is very common. This shows a great deficiency and limitation in understanding the word of God. Krishna says, Aham Bija Pratapita, I am the seed-giving father of all living beings. All beings are my children. Krishna does not discriminate. Krishna sees only the quality of the heart. And this is the great need. <laughs> Unless we come to this <coughs> understanding in our life, then our so-called religion, our so-called spiritual discipline is all external and superficial. The fruit of, real, of, of genuine realization and love cannot take place. I remember once Srila Prabhupada explained in a lecture, and it's also printed in the Bhagavatam, that women are generally more God-conscious than men because they have simple minds and they're soft-hearted. Men have a hard time in spiritual life because they're very proud of their thinking processes and therefore they become speculative, they are not willing to accept on the basis of faith, they discriminate and they become hard-hearted. Huh?
philosophy is meant to bring us to the platform by which we learn how to love. If you memorize every scripture and every sloka in the entire history of man, you can never understand Krishna. Because Krishna is only understood in the heart. The heart is a place that is beyond reason, beyond intelligence, beyond logic. The heart is the seat of love, of devotion. And all the great philosophies of the world are ultimately meant to bring us to the platform, Krishna explains, of loving him with all our hearts. Aham sarvasya prabhavo matta sarvam pravartate iti matva bhajante mam buddhavada samandhita. Krishna says in Gita, that I am the source of all material and spiritual worlds. Everything emanates from me. The wise who know this perfectly worship me with all their hearts. Because the heart is the seat of consciousness. To love Krishna means to surrender our consciousness to Krishna. All that you do, all that you eat, all that you offer and give away must be done as an offering to me. That means whatever we do, we must consciously offer it to Krishna. In other words, we must offer our consciousness to Krishna at all moments. In whatever you do, you make a conscious offering of, to Krishna. And the chanting of the holy name means to attentively hear. Attentively hearing means offering the essence of your life, your consciousness, to the holy name, which is non-different than Krishna. Therefore, Nam Sankirtan, the chanting of the holy name of the Lord, is the topmost simple and effective process of self-realization for all humanity. Because it is an immediate, direct opportunity for us to totally offer our entire consciousness to Krishna. Just like in a sacred fire ceremony, the Agnihotra, we take the ghee and we offer it to the fire. The fire is Vishnu. And that ghee is consumed by the fire. And that is considered to be very auspicious. So when we're chanting the holy name, we are factually doing the same thing. We are offering the very essence of our existence, which is our consciousness, which is seated within our hearts. We are offering that consciousness as an oblation into the fire of the holy name. This is the meditation 
that should take place during our japa and during the holy kirtan of the Lord. Of course, Srila Prabhupada, as well as Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, Rupa Goswami, Sanatana Goswami, all these great souls, <coughs> they are all teaching us that Krishna consciousness means to love Krishna from the heart, beyond logic and reason. But these great souls have written volumes and volumes and volumes of books with exceedingly deep, profound philosophical explanations of every aspect of reality. So this also may appear to be a contradiction, but it is not at all. <clears throat> because human beings have an intelligence and our intelligence must direct our mind. And unless our intelligence is completely convinced on all levels of the truth and how to attain the truth, we will not put it into practice. But the conclusion of the truth is we ultimately have to surrender. which is the surrender of our consciousness, which is to love. Philosophy is like a map, which is necessary to give us direction, but it cannot take you there, it never will, and it never could. Philosophy has never taken anyone to the goal of life. It can only show you the way. It is by accepting the position of the most humble, menial servant. Which is what the philosophy ultimately teaches us. And by surrendering to Krishna in that mood of the most humble, menial servant, it's the only process by which we can understand God. So therefore, it is very necessary to scrutinizingly study the philosophy of Krishna consciousness, but don't think that that in and of itself will help you. You must understand the essence, bhakti, and you must put that into your life. And if you do, ah, then your heart gradually will melt. And in that state, ah, out of love, you will gradually begin to long more and more and more and more for the presence of God in your life. 
Prabhupada would oftentimes tell us that the price of Krishna is the tears you flow from your eyes in longing of separation for him. We should not artificially make a show. These tears really are not from our eyes, but they are from our heart. We must learn to long for Krishna. We must learn to long out of compassion to help every living being who is part and parcel of Krishna. And all of these glorious attributes are born from one who attentively chants his holy name. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Chanting the holy name by attentively offering our consciousness through the process of hearing to each and every syllable. This is the goal of life and this is the means to attain it. Then we will understand how Krishna is the seed-giving father of all living beings and we will learn to love him as the father and learn to love every living being as our very own. Brothers, sisters, we will learn to see the presence of God in everyone and in everything. This is the goal of chanting the holy name. Is there any questions? Yes. That is a devotional process also. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself showed by his example. That is a purely devotional process if you do it in the right consciousness. And that is recommended by the Shastra and it is also recommended by the Lord. But of course, Prahlad Maharaj did not go to Gaya. His father got liberated only for one reason. Because even though he was such a demon, Prahlad loved him. Because Prahlad loved him and because Prahlad was so pure, he got liberated. If you become a pure devotee, those who you love, Krishna will give them special, special, special mercy. That it is why it is said for one who, it is said in the Srimad Bhagavatam in relationship to Prahlad, ah, the ten generations past and future of all relatives are liberated by one who is, uh, who, are, uh, who are related to a pure devotee of the Lord. That is Krishna's special mercy. Because a devotee loves everyone, correct? So he's going to have special love for those who are near to him. Isn't that natural? Devotee loves every living being. But those who he has most contact with, obviously there's going to be a special love for them, a special concern for them, because he knows them most. 
Prahlad loved everyone, but it was his father that got liberated. Why? Because he had a special relationship with his father. There was a closeness there. So Krishna recognizes that and fulfills the desire of his devotees. Huh? But he did not require to ask. Nursinga David already liberated him before he even asked. Huh? His, as his asking was Krishna's arrangement just to show the world the great compassion of such a devotee. Hmm? So the greatest expression of love is to become a pure devotee, to surrender everything to Krishna. That way those who you are concerned about, they get the greatest benediction, the most auspicious blessing of God. Even if they're demons. Huh? What to speak if they're well-wishers? That is real love. That is not the sentimental bodily conception of life. Eventually, he is giving he is giving you the way back to Godhead, and he is always praying to Krishna. You see, here Anyakashipu did not go back to Godhead; he got liberated. But you see, he was also killed by the Lord Himself. But why did the Lord kill him? Because he loved Prahlad. So that is a very special. <clears throat> when the spiritual master leaves the world, he gives all disciples, through his instructions, the ways and the means by which they will go back to Godhead. And he personally takes the concern to come back again and again and again and again and again until that disciple goes back to Godhead. That is his mercy. That is God's mercy working through him. Bonafide spiritual master is not concerned with his disciple being liberated. He wants his disciple with Krishna. He wants only the highest benediction upon his disciple. He will not settle for anything less than pure devotional service from any disciple. Huh? If he was content with you not being a pure devotee, you'll never become a pure devotee. He's, he may be very satisfied on whatever level you're at that you're trying, but his contentness will only be when you're an unmotivated, uninterrupted, pure devotee of the Lord.
So if you're thinking, is there something more I can do for my Guru Maharaj? This is the answer. Become a pure devotee of the Lord. Surrender. How do you become a pure devotee of the Lord? By humbly surrendering to His instruction. And the most difficult instruction is to be the menial servant of every devotee. To give up your pride. Until you do that, you cannot chant the holy name correctly. That is Mahaprabhu's teaching. Any other questions? As you have said that uh, philosophy is just like a map, but you cannot reach the destination with the help of the philosophy. But the real, the with the help, with the help you can, but in and of itself you cannot. So you cannot reach to the, so to say, the real goal of life should be the love for Krishna. Now, if a uh, a person who is who is convinced by the philosophy, but uh, he is not fully surrendered. He should become the humble servant of someone who is surrendered to Krishna and follow that person's instructions. Inquire submissively and render service. Huh? Devotional service is bhakti. It is only by devotional service that we can understand Krishna. Devotional service means to become the servant of a great soul, a real sadhu. <coughs> to give up all our propensities to lord it over material nature and just be the servant of a great sadhu. Bhakti Vinod Thakur prayed, let me be the dog for a Vaishnava. Huh? A dog simply carries out the order of his master. The one quality of the dog is he's faithful to and loyal to a master. Right? Bhaktivinoda prayed, let me be the dog to my Vaishnavacharya. That is what you must do if you want to understand Krishna in truth. Huh? You have to become dog. Yes. When you say that to reach the goal, you have to render menial service to the pure devotee. Now, what does menial service really mean? Does it mean to help physically the pure devotee to stay with him? Then it becomes, you know, the privilege of many brahmacharis and uh, people who are staying together with the pure devotee. 
output has to be rendered by the clusters or other people. How can they render this media service then? Or does media service mean to follow the instructions of the pure It means to follow the instructions. And it also means, well, to follow the instruction means, according to where we are, we must do the will of the pure devotee. If the pure devotee wants you directly in his association, serving his physical body, then that is menial service. So if the pure devotee wants you to work under someone he appoints you to, to surrender to that person's instruction is menial service to the pure devotee. If the pure devotee wants you, which he does, to assist every devotee and humbly try to help every devotee, wherever they are, if you're living, Menial service means to be the servant of the servant of the servant of the servant. Those who simply want to serve the Guru are not serving the Guru at all. They're third class. To become the servant of the servant of the servant is to truly please the spiritual master. Yes? That, that surrender doesn't mean that surrender to Guru or Krishna. Surrender means to surrender to those people whom we don't want to surrender. Surrender means to surrender to Guru and Krishna. Yes, but some people we don't want to surrender. We want to surrender to Krishna and Guru. But Guru gives instruction to surrender to certain authority which whom we have not faith, we haven't got faith. If that is his instruction, then that is how to please him. Surrender means to try to please him. Is there any other questions? Yes? Chanting of the mind is the only way really you ever chant. You may, with your gross senses, vibrate the sound, but you don't hear with your ear. You hear with your mind. Correct? The fan has been going throughout this lecture. How much have you been conscious of the sound of the fan? Huh? Have you been? If you've been listening to the lecture, you shouldn't have been. You probably forgot all about it. But it's going in your ear. But your mind is not absorbing it. So that means you're not really hearing it. The hearing process is of the mind. All hearing is of the mind whether you chant as loud as you possibly can, or whether you chant totally silently, it's the mind that hears. 
If the mind is inattentive, you are not hearing. If the mind is attentive, you are hearing. What? But he also said there's no hard and fast rules. Whether you're chanting silently or loudly, chanting means vibrating the sound. Whether you're vibrating it in your heart, whether you're vibrating with your lips, or whether you're vibrating with a microphone, if you're attentive, you're hearing. If you're not, you're not hearing. It is not a mechanical process. Simply by going, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare doesn't mean you're hearing. Your mind could be somewhere else. Oftentimes it is. And simply by sitting in a lotus posture and chanting silently in the heart doesn't mean you're hearing either. Your mind can be everywhere else. There are different techniques which various times and circumstances the great Acharyas are teaching. But this real essence and goal is to hear, to be conscious of the sound. And that consciousness is within the heart. The mind is in the heart. And this is the question most of the people, particularly in temple, they are asking. These people are always visiting and they are asking this question, how mm -hmm. it can be chanted by mind. So actually they want to know what is the, how we can chant it by mind. Newly concoction. That's their feeling, and that's why. What does Krishna say in Bhagavad Gita? The one who remembers me at the time of death attains me without fail. To remember is really the essence of chanting. Why do we chant the holy name? We chant the holy name because it's the easiest, most expedient and direct way of remembering Krishna. It's in remembering Krishna that we are with Krishna. Chanting without remembering is not chanting at all. Lord Kapiladev said, the essence of all the scriptures is to always remember Krishna and never forget Krishna. Krishna says, always think of me. Become my devotee. So to think of Krishna, to remember Krishna, chanting is the best process. Now, it's not, the, it's not the sound that comes out of your mouth, but it's the sound that is absorbed within your heart that is actually your remembrance. You can chant loudly. Now, when you hear the name within your heart, when you hear within your mind Krishna, even though it might not come out, you are remembering Krishna. Your heart is chanting, it is vibrating the sound of God's name. Is it not? It's vibrating the sound of God's name and you're remembering the name. That means you're remembering Krishna. That's what it means to chant. To chant is a process of remembering.
And it is the greatest process of remembering. And that's why Lord Chaitanya said there are no hard and fast rules. Loud, soft, silent. If that name is vibrating and bringing us to the remembrance of Krishna, that is perfect chant. said that at the time of death it's very difficult to remember Krishna particularly because I understand Gargar Puran said that it's like waiting with a 40,000 organs or that yesterday before two days I saw one gentleman very good person chanting 18 hours a day 16 hours a day now when I was talking to him very respected person a teacher 80 years old, and when we are talking to him, he says, I "Don't talk to me anything. I, I get, I, 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 I get very much disturbed if you talk to me anything. Neither he, he can chant now, neither he can hear anything. He is not interested in hearing. Neither he is interested in chanting. And death is very, very miserable. Means at the time. So, how, how it is possible at the time of death we can remember?" particularly when see people. Uh, it is only by the mercy of Krishna that we could remember him at the time of death. It is not by your own potencies. If you sincerely please Krishna in your life, he will appear in your mind at the time of death. Yasya prasada, bhagavat prasada, yasya prasada, nagati prataka. If we sincerely, honestly endeavor to fulfill the order of the spiritual master in our life, then Krishna will appear to us by his mercy at the time of death. And we will remember him in that way. It's only by his causeless mercy that we'll remember him at the time of death. But if we want to attract that causeless mercy, we have to surrender to our capacity now. Our capacity is not much, but if we give it all, that's all, Krishna's, that's all Krishna wants. Huh? <laughs> Just like we were speaking today, some of our devotees, they leave the ashram and go to Vrindavan. They think they'll become pure devotees very fast. But do you think that you can just barge your way into the spiritual world? Simply going to Vrindavan and chanting for 25, for 20 hours a day is not the way to know Krishna. Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur said, that you should not imitate the Paramhamsas. By pleasing the spiritual master, Krishna reveals himself to you. By independently going and doing your own thing in Vrindavan, Krishna will not reveal himself to you. You stay here in Bombay, in this pollution, you get criticized and condemned by people all around you, you have to tolerate your god-brothers and god-sisters and all the politics that might come about. You try to chant the holy names even when there's 
trains going by every five minutes. Vrindavan huh? is an easy place to just sit and chant. But if your Gurudev wants you here, by humbly trying to fulfill his order, you'll please Krishna. And by pleasing, by pleasing Krishna, he will reveal himself to you. But simply independently on your own, just going to Vrindavan, you will never see Krishna through that process. Krishna reveals himself to the surrendered soul. process of hearing at the cost of all other thoughts, the holy name, is the offering of your full consciousness to Krishna. That attempt is the gesture of your love. And as far as the sweetness of love, that will naturally grow through that process. It's not that you have to meditate on love and then offer your consciousness to Krishna. Just try to hear. That is the expression of your love. And as you become purified, the actual feeling of love, the true feeling of love, will grow within your heart. I think 